This week on the podcast, I am talking with eating disorder dietitian and business coach Jennifer McGurk. Jennifer currently runs two different businesses in the dietetic space, a successful group private practice that serves eating disorder clients and a coaching business called Pursuing Private Practice that helps healthcare professionals create successful weight-inclusive practices. Jennifer has been at this for over a decade now and has so, so, so much wisdom to share. In this episode, we cover a lot. We talk about Jennifer's experience starting her first private practice way back in 2011, what spurred her to eventually expand from being just a solopreneur into a group private practice, and why she decided to start a second business five years later to help other RDs build private practices themselves. We talk about her struggle to initially niche down in both her private practice and coaching business, but how getting crystal clear on her messaging led to wonderful business growth in both scenarios. We discuss Jennifer's experience trying to launch a brand with a self-published book and why she would not do it that way again, and we even talk about how she would go about starting a business again today if she was back at square zero, which was a super insightful conversation. We talk a bit about the similarities between diet culture and hustle business culture and how Jennifer's philosophies are the antithesis of those. And finally, we get into some really amazing insights about the stages of business that Jennifer has gone through and that she sees others go through as entrepreneurs as well. She's coined them starting, growing, scaling, and coasting. You've probably heard of the first three, but I love the idea of a coasting stage, and I think you will too. Can't wait for you to hear all the gems that Jennifer has to share. Let's get into the conversation. Welcome to the Unconventional RD Podcast, where we inspire dietitians to think outside of the traditional employment box and create their own unconventional income streams. We'll talk all things online business to help you start, grow, and scale your own digital empire. Hello, hello. I am so stoked to have you here on the podcast today. I know originally I was a guest on your show back in 2021, so I'm really excited to return the favor and have you here back on my podcast like a year or so later. So thank you. Thank you, Erica. I'm a huge fan of your show. I love your show so much, so I'm so honored to be here. Well, I am honored to have you here. I feel like we've been friends sort of in the online space for a long time and we get to periodically check in. So yeah, I'm, I took a little bit of a break with accepting guests, I guess, on the podcast while I had my son. So it feels good to be back in the swing and being able to connect again with some people that I really wanted to have on, including you. So, so thank you. Thank you, Erica. Well, it just goes to show like your business has built such an awesome brand that you can take a break and you can coast and come back whenever you want. And you're still literally running a very successful business. Oh, I like that little breadcrumb drop. We're totally going to talk about that <laughs> later in the episode. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I know you've been running a private practice for a long time, I think over a decade now. And yeah. you've also been coaching dietitians on starting private practices. I tried to look back and see like when you started that, what you're pursuing private practice website. And it looked like maybe like 2016 or so. So a long time in that space as well. So I think it'd be great if you could maybe just before we dive into your journey, just give us a summary of what you're doing today, and then we can go backwards and and talk about how you got there. 
Yes. Oh, I love that. So yes, I love the work that we are doing now. It has definitely been a journey to get here because you're right. I did start in 2016 and I've watched this part of my business pursuing private practice go through tons of ups and downs. Um, so I consider pursuing private practice to be a business education company with lots of different offers for different stages of business. And that is actually recently new, which I can talk about too on the podcast, but we have a membership for people that are starting and growing their business. We have supervision groups. And then I'm also getting more into business coaching and consulting for organizations. That really is my 2023 goal. Yeah. What does that mean? Like for organizations? Yeah. So I, so organizations, I want to, and this is actually the first time I'm actually saying this on any type of public platform. So I'm excited that it's going to be on your podcast first, but I have an idea to get hired by organizations to go in and really fix some leadership stuff and team issues. I feel like I'm in a very unique situation where I am an employer and I have employees in my business. And I also teach people how to leave jobs to become their own bosses. So I understand both sides. I understand what it's like to be an employer. I understand what it's like to be an employee. And there are tons of tons of issues in both sides. And I feel like I could be really, really useful and helpful for organizations and private practices going in as a consultant and working with both sides. But again, I'm not doing anything about this until 2023. <laughs> so it's not, not an offer that I have yet, but it's something that I've been thinking about. I like that. I might, I'll be paying attention because <laughs> I feel like the next thing in my business is probably expanding and growing. And yeah, it's, it's hard. I yeah. Hard. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Leadership in teams is something that I have learned the hard way. I have learned so many lessons and it's also something that I'm really passionate about. Yeah. So I, I love that. Yeah. And I feel like in, at least in the dietetics communities that I'm connected with, it doesn't seem like there's that many people who are running like big teams. There's a lot of solopreneurs, a lot of solo private practice people, solo bloggers, online business people. Maybe they have a few freelancers or something, but yeah, I think there is a little bit of a gap in our space with guidance on that. So yeah. cool. Yeah. Okay. Well then maybe let's go backwards. And <laughs> uh, when did you become a dietitian and what did you think you wanted to do when you started out? Oh my gosh, I know. So I became a dietitian. I graduated Penn State 2006, went on to my internship in Hopkins 2007. And honestly, at that time, I was struggling so much with my own eating disorder. I just wanted to be a dietitian to like fix myself, not even knowing what that meant and really was passionate about, you know, all things nutrition, like almost like an orthorexia type of passion. I was really kind of obsessed and doing things the quote unquote right way. Meanwhile, getting deeper and deeper into my own eating disorder. So I was very lucky. I consider myself, you know, very lucky, very, I do have a lot of privileges in the sense that I could get help for my eating disorder. I can afford to see someone and, you know, also to have the personality that like, I took that risk. And I think that that's really important to name. So I got help. Meanwhile, like fast forward many years. So it's literally one sentence, but fast forward many years, I recovered from my eating disorder and became really passionate about doing this type of work as a dietitian. My first job was a diabetes job in outpatient diabetes counseling. It did not light me up. I was very bored. I'm a horrible employee, Erica. I think you might be able to relate since you have lots of guests on here that are probably horrible employees. 
but I really decided to start my own business in 2011 and watched it grow from there. So you started, did you start just right in a a private practice? Yeah. So I had two part-time jobs at the time I had a full-time job. I wanted to start my business. So I went down to two part-time jobs. And from there I, you know, took a lot of different people because I was only seeing maybe like two or three people a week, six months into starting my own private practice. And then eventually I specialized into eating disorders, um, which I'm really happy I did. And then eventually that took off and now do you have other people working in that company? Yes. Yeah. So eventually that did take off. I was forced and I say forced, like really forced to hire my first person. When I had my son, I didn't want to hire anybody. I did not want to build a team because I think I was a little bit of a control freak back then, but I was going on maternity leave. And at the time, I think I had like 25 clients a week. Like I had a full caseload, a full private practice. So I was forced to hire someone. I did it completely wrong. I did everything wrong, but I did it, (laughs) but that turned into a group private practice. And then eventually now we had three, now we have two dietitians working in the group private practice. And how long has that been running as a group practice? 11 years. Wow. As a group practice, seven years as a group practice, seven years but oh, been in business. Yes. Um, and at the time too, when I having my first son, that's when I also got the aha moment or the, um, I guess I don't want to say sign cause it's a little bit too woo, but like I got interested in taking the next step to really help professionals because I really wanted to do supervision with people. A lot of people at the time were asking me how to start a private practice. And I just kind of said to myself, like, I really have always loved business. So let me just write this little guide, which turned into a short, short book series um, on private practice. And that's how Pursuing Private Practice was born. I feel like I remember that when it, when you first launched <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, because I think that was right when I was kind of like getting into the online space and connecting more with dietitians. And I totally remember coming across your site and, and your offerings and stuff. And so way back yeah. when, <laughs> I way know, back I even, when I even went back on the way back machine because I was like interested in just kind of looking at how your branding evolved. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, Erica, that website is so good because if you want, so, okay, this is a little spoiler alert. If you look at every single expert out there, you think that they got everything right the first time and that they made no mistakes. And all you have to do is go back on Wayback Machine <laughs> and look at our websites. I know. It's and so you, funny. And I feel like, yes. well, I don't know if I, I'm tra- not trying to jump ahead, but I feel like your original branding was, it's something that so many people do in the beginning where it's like, start a business, have the freedom and flexibility you want versus now you're like, I help people yeah. start weight inclusive, like private product gets so specific, but everyone starts out so vague because they don't want to like alienate anyone, I think. Yeah. And they want to like, appeal to everyone, any private practice owner. <laughs> so. Yes. Oh my gosh. I remember saying like, start and grow the business of your dreams. <laughs> like <laughs> like yeah. I would just appeal to everybody. No, 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 no. Yeah. So I know yeah, we are. Uh, well, I guess we'll, can good. I just like dive into that right now then? I yeah. guess, like, how did you learn to get more specific? Like talk us through that. 
That's it's a really good question. I think I was afraid. I think the driver of being very general was just a scarcity mindset, to be very honest with you. And I think I was just nervous or afraid that I wasn't going to get enough clients. And I had to talk to everybody in order to, you know, have three people work with me. And it was so funny because at the time for pursuing private practice, this was like 2016, I really started to niche down very heavily in eating disorders and then like a weight inclusive approach in eating disorders in like 2015 ish. But granted, I did not know everything about health at every size. I still don't know everything about health at every size or weight inclusive approach by any means. I'm always going to be learning. But at that time I was seeing how my practice was getting better. And I say like, it was more streamlined. I was working with clients that I really enjoyed. I was working with similar types of people. So I felt like the work was easier because I was learning so much from these clients and I could apply to these clients and getting supervision. And I just saw it skyrocket. And it was so easy too just to do everything related to business because I was focusing on one niche. So at the time pursuing private practice was really general, but the more niche I got with my group practice, the more I got niche with pursuing private practice. One of my other questions was how is your time split right now? Since you do kind of have two businesses, like, are you still seeing clients in your private practice? And then how much versus how much time are you doing business coaching? Yeah. So this is jumping a little bit ahead, but I will say I'm very much coasting in the group private practice. It probably is a few hours a week on my part, because I, and here's the thing, because I have a team that is really running things for me. Like I have put in years and years of work into that group practice. We've done a million different projects that I've led over the years, but right now we're not really growing. We're just coasting. You know, we still have referrals coming in because we've built up such a great reputation. My two dietitians that are seeing clients, you know, I try to make it as easy as possible for them to come in do a great job with their clients and leave everything else to the practice. Um, and that's because of my amazing executive assistant, Danielle, who's in the room with me right now. So I can give her a little shout out there. Um, but it's just so, so easy. So we're coasting in that business. So I can focus on actively scaling, pursuing private practice, which is what I'm doing. Yeah. I think that's a really great example too. I think a lot of people, they might look at people like you who've been doing this for many years and are very successful in a lot of things at this point and think like, how the heck are they doing it all? But you personally, single-handedly are not doing it all. <laughs> you oh know? my gosh. No, yeah. no, <laughs> so I think absolutely not. Yeah. yeah. No. At one point last year, I had eight people on my team. Yeah. I don't have eight people anymore, but I had eight, like there was a point where this business was so big that I needed eight people on my team. So it's really important to recognize that. Yeah. Well, good for you for, I feel like it takes a lot of trust to outsource. Uh, yes. So good for you for empowering other people to like take the reins <laughs> and run with yes. it. Yeah. Yes, definitely. And I forgot to ask, is your private practice in person, virtual, both? Right now we're virtual. We, we were in person for like forever. We were in person up until COVID. And then once COVID hit, you know, I think the world changed but especially with eating disorders, and we see a ton of adolescents at our practice, it just changed so much to favor virtual 
but I will say a big, you know, point in that is that we don't process insurance directly. I know telehealth has been a nightmare sometimes for providers to get reimbursed. So that's one thing that I have to say. And then also too, we have years of counseling experience under our belt. So I can pick up, and this is, this is a skill. And so if you don't have this, like, do not feel bad because it is a learned skill, like counseling over zoom is a learned skill. You want to be able to ask questions. You want to be able to kind of read body language from shoulders up. And it's harder to do that when you're on zoom with someone and not necessarily in the room, but we've had, you know, years of experience with counseling that it's still working for us. It doesn't necessarily work for everybody though. Nice. Okay. So you have your private practice that's now virtual and running with yeah. a couple of dietitians and you're doing, it sounds like more of the like higher level work maybe. Uh, and then the, the dietitians that you have on your staff are doing more of the, you know, one-on-one client work. Yes. Um, and then you have this whole other arm of business with pursuing private practice. And you, you briefly mentioned how you, wrote a book. So it sounds like, it sounds like the way it happened was kind of like you're getting questions and you're like, okay, like maybe I like the thought process you had behind it. Like, okay, I'm getting the same questions over and over. So maybe if I just put this on paper, people will buy it. (laughs) Maybe it was that what you were thinking. Yes. I don't know what I was thinking. Honestly, I did not work with a business coach back then. So that was my number one mistake. (laughs) Don't do what I did. Um, that's, it is what I was thinking. I honestly didn't know where pursuing private practice would go. It was just a creative project when I first started. And I think that that's really important to name because there's so many people out there that think they have to have everything finalized and everything checked off and the perfect plan for everything before they literally put it out into the world. And my stance on that is that you just kind of have to start. You just have to do the hard thing. You have to challenge yourself to do the next right step. And for me, that was putting everything that I had in my brain into a Word document to publish as a book. But thank God it, you know, kept going after that because I actually (laughs) lost money with that project. Looking back. How long did it take you to write it? About a year. Wow. About a year. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. I have not written a book, but I have heard from other people that it's like, you know, maybe more of like a resume builder type of thing or like a way to get like Mm -hmm. speaking engagements or like things like that. Maybe and definitely not a monetary play. Yeah. (laughs) It helped. Yeah. I mean, it helped, it helped launch the brand, but I would not do it again. Um, and also too, because I mean, this is kind of funny. Like, it's so funny. I said, I said, today to my team, I said, I have to write all of these emails today and I am not a good writer. <laughs> like I'm not a great writer. So it's just, you know, funny that I picked that when it's not one of my strengths, but <laughs> it's what it, it was 2016. I can just kind of claim that I didn't know what I was doing Yeah, and did not work with a business coach. <laughs> so what would you do if you had to do it over? How would you launch your brand today? Oh my gosh. Today I would start off with some sort of high, high, high touch, like probably podcast, um, to start to literally gather information from people on what they want from me. I would start having conversations one-on-one, but also conversations in groups. I might, I might still do a free Facebook group, 
if I was starting today, I'm actually not doing a free Facebook group at the moment, but I do think that that marketing, I mean, like you can tell us, Erica, like I still think it's very, very, very valuable because it teaches other people that you are a expert, even though I know it's a lot of work to run on the back end, which you can speak of, but I would just have conversations with people and I probably would launch one-on-one and then I would go into groups and, but it would make money right away. A book did not make money. Mm-hmm. All right. So, okay. You started pursuing private practice. You wrote the book. It maybe didn't have the reception that you like, why do you think it didn't go as you hoped? Oh, well, I think it did well. I, yeah. so here's the thing. I think it did well. I actually forget how many copies of the book I sold, but it, it definitely launched my brand. It did well, but for all of the work and effort and money that I put into the project, the money that I made back on my return on investment was negative at the end yeah. of the day. So you're kind of saying like, if you were just trying to build a brand, like you could have just been on like Instagram or something rather than putting it all. Yeah. Them trying to to sell a product. Right. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Okay. So many helpful insights, (laughs) but I love what you're saying. Like you, you just have to do it and try and that's how you learn. And I resonate a lot with what you said that it wasn't really started as a business. Uh, Cause same with the unconventional RD. I, it was just a Facebook group that I just wanted to connect yeah. with other people. Uh, there was no product to sell or anything for, yeah. you know, almost two years. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So I guess flash forward now. So you had the book and then how did you get to where you are now? Like what type of offerings came next. Yes. Okay. It's so funny. I was just at a mastermind with my business group in Nashville last week. And one of the mastermind friends there said, we all have a 100% track record of figuring it out. And I just love that so much. I was like, that is the quote to say out loud when you are pivoting. So it went through multiple pivots and pursuing private practice just went through another pivot because businesses have to pivot when the market pivots. And there has been no time like 2020 and 2021 and 2022 that the market has really pivoted. Like we have had so many ups and downs, but I think that that's because we are really serving business owners. I feel like our, our business owners that we are serving serve clients and they've been more consistent with the business and the market side of things than us, but the economy, the recession, you know, the unrest in the world, like people losing their jobs, people starting businesses, like it's all affected pursuing private practice. So 2016 book came out, 2017, we started a course and courses were very popular back in 2017. Like, and and I still think that they're popular today, but we started a course and then it accidentally turned into almost like a group coaching program because we started offering calls for free. But keep in mind, this was still a one-time purchase at the time. And then we pivoted towards an actual like membership program. And then that kind of pivoted into a high level mastermind because we kept on adding things and adding things and adding things. So that version of it was called dietitian business school. But as we were adding things, we were actually helping people grow into like group practices, scalable offers, you know, helping people with HR, helping people really scale their businesses. So dietitian business school became starting growing and scaling. And then of course we always talk about coasting too. And it was just like too big and it was serving too many people in different phases of their business because 
if you're starting, you want to know how to get an EIN number. And the person that is hiring their first dietitian does not want to talk about EIN number. Like you already know that. So we decided to literally burn everything down, which was a huge process to go through. And now we have different offers for the different stages of business. So we just launched business school. That's for people that are starting and growing. That's our membership community. So you have access to our beginner basics course. You've access to all of our other business courses. And that is really where you get a ton of education, support, community. That's for people in that phase. And now we're doing supervision groups for growing um, and also too for clinical skills because we do really believe in doing a good job with our clients. And then I'm starting the business coaching intensives for scaling. So that is how the evolution of PPP came to be. That was semi-recent, right? Like how long ago? Did yeah. You yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it was, we officially switched over in September to business and school. For reference, we're and recording this in November, in November. because I know it's going to air later. Yeah. Um, and the thing is we're not done yet. And like, I could have said to you, Erica, oh, well, let me just wait until everything is perfect to go on your podcast and talk about it. But no, you know, like we're not doing that. Like I'm in the middle of a transition, taking challenges, you know, making pivots and I don't have everything figured out. And yet here I am and it's okay. Like, and I hope to lead by example because so many of us get stuck there. I resonate with so many of the things that you're saying. Cause I feel like I did something similar in my business where I had like way too many things and then scaled mm-hmm. it way down. And now I'm yeah. figuring out how to bring some of those components back in, but in a more like well thought out way. <laughs> you yes. know? Yeah. Cause I do feel like sometimes you get so excited in the beginning and it's like more, 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 more. And then you're oh, like, that's... what did I build? <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's like, you need this. Oh, you get this. You need that. It's like Oprah in the car. It's like, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. But it's so yeah. hard because I care so many, I care so much about everybody, but I was seeing, it's like, this is just not serving everybody because it's back to serving everybody, you know? So I hope that that makes sense. It's like by serving people of all stages of business, I wasn't really able to get into like the real stuff that people need when they are starting the real stuff that people need when they're growing and the real stuff that they need when they really are scaling. Yeah. Was this just a realization that you came to just observing what was happening or was this like feedback you were getting from people in your community or both? Yes, both, both. Yeah. yeah. Um, both. We, we took a very, well, we're client, we're a client centric company. Like we, everything that we do is really for serving our people. So we always have taken feedback surveys. We've had one-on-one conversations with people like, what can we do differently? So it wasn't necessarily that they told us that we needed to break things up, but the more feedback we got, the more we realized that it was just inevitable. Like we just had to break it up. And then what did you do with the people who were already in your programs? Yeah. So we invited them to come over. We invited them to come. We lost some people, which is okay. You know, like, and of course we're all going to feel horrible about that, but it doesn't just because you didn't join business school doesn't mean that your work with PPP is over, but I think it really is figuring out like, who is your ideal client? You know, the person that wants everything has the opportunity to join everything, but it's really meant like this offers for this person, this offers for this person, this offers for this person you just said like, okay, we're, we're reformatting it. It used to be everything all in one. And now there's like, yeah, different things places that you for you join. to go. And then yeah. did you give them any sort of like discount to go into the new ones or were they grandfathered in? Or was it like, 
oh, here's all the old yeah. stuff and you can still access Some, it if you want or whatever. Yes. So let me tell you, people do that. <laughs> I know it's an operations headache. I couldn't have done it without my team. Um, so we really, we had to reach out to everybody individually because some people already paid for the annual option. So that was a little bit of a headache, but we worked it out. You yeah. know, like we really do serve people for trying to lead by example, trying to, you know, lead with our values. But yes, it was an operations headache, but luckily I like technology. I know some people don't, but I really like technology. So we, we, we figured it out. Yeah. Speaking of technology, what do you run everything on? Okay. Are you ready for this? (laughs) Okay. WordPress Uh site convert kit. I don't want to say landing pages because that's not the right word. Like opt-in like convert kit is our email marketing system. Mm -hmm. Um, we have Gmail for our customer service stuff connected to ConvertKit. We have Monday for our CRM, Acuity for scheduling. Um, we had Teachable for our lessons, but we recently just switched over to Samcart because they were able to give us so much more technology on the back end with a lot of the different stats that we were just kind of missing or like doing by hand. So I really like the, te- the Samcart checkout pages. So we just switched to Samcart and we're going to try using their courses app. So I know e-learning is huge. Um, right now it's going okay. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> but we also use trying to think Canva, of course, Dropbox, we use Asana for project management. I feel like I'm missing more, <laughs> but you know, this is after 11 years, 11 yeah. years of building a business. You don't need, I mean, zoom, you don't need all of this stuff at the beginning. Yeah. You need a good EMR. If you're seeing clients, do you have one that you like the best right now? So right now we're on acuity, believe it or not. We're, we're weird because a lot of times I recommend simple practice, practice better. I think those are great and so much more of a robust EMR system, but we really like acuity for our EMR. We just get the powerhouse version. That's what I use to schedule my podcast interviews. (laughs) Yes, I know. (laughs) It's all synced up. I like the automations. That is one thing I think. Yeah. I'm pat myself on my own back right now. I did a good job automating my podcast process. (laughs) Yes, you did. I can say as a guest, it was very smooth. It was very streamlined. I appreciated it, but it's great. I know tech is tech. is. This is like a whole nother conversation, but like technology is amazing. And I mean, sometimes I usually say, if you can pass OCHEM, you can start a business, but if you can pass OCHEM, you can absolutely figure out technology and like technology is so like helps businesses so much. Like, don't be afraid of the technology, yeah. just experiment. Like you said, you, now you're trying Sam car. Like you can always experiment and try something new. You don't have to yes. be feeling like your pick is like the end all be all forever. No, <laughs> a it's lot not. of, yeah. yeah, a lot of them make a lot of different, I mean, it's obviously depends on what platform type of platform we're talking about, but a lot of them will help you port your data from one platform to another. Like if you wanted to switch email platforms or whatever. So yes. Again, back to this main point, like just start. Yes, just start (laughs) and just mess up. Like just mess up. You will mess up. I cannot tell you I have sent, um, and my team too. Like this is another conversation around team. Like I have messed up. My team has messed up and it's okay. Like we survive, we mess up, we say, ha ha, we explain, we try to make it right. And we go forward, you know, like I am not afraid to mess up because I know I will mess up. Yeah. And I hope that that gives you permission to- just get started. Yeah. All right. So let's see. I think I'd like to talk a little bit about the transformation again in kind of like your messaging in your business and how you got there, like, and, and how did, 
I've heard you say it a couple times in this interview already that, oh, I wasn't having, I didn't have business coaching yet. I didn't have business coaching. Like when did the business coaching enter the picture and how did yes. that impact, you know, how your business changed? Did that yes. help you niche down or was that totally unrelated? Absolutely. Yes. Well, I, well, I mean, yes and no. I feel like supervision was actually my first form of business coaching that I didn't even realize was business coaching, but I will give a major shout out to Jessica Setnick. She was my first supervisor ever when I had no idea what supervision was, but she helped me process as a clinician, like what was going on in my own work with clients, how I was showing up as a business owner. Um, I remember she talked about her cancellation policy. And I remember just thinking like, what's a cancellation policy? Like just boundaries without even realizing that she was business coaching with me, but supervision helped so much in me understanding my own insight. Cause you have to remember too, I was struggling with an eating disorder. Like I did not have the best self-care back then. And it's not like it magically got so much better when I recovered, like I recovered from my eating disorder, but I still had a lot of mental health stuff to work on. I still had anxiety. I still had all this other stuff that I was figuring out as I was running my business. And not to say I'm perfect now, I'm still figuring out at this stage of business, but it's almost like supervision gave me permission to have insight, to look at my own stuff and how it was showing up when I was running my business. And while I was building my business too, because there's differences between starting and now growing when you have more people than you ever thought you would ever have. Maybe you have like 10 clients in your practice and you're like, oh my gosh, like now I'm not charging enough. What do I do? You know? Mm-hmm. I don't know a ton about supervision, but it, it feels like that's more ubiquitous, I guess I would say in maybe the eating disorder space than other yeah. spaces. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I think it's because we're very therapeutic in the eating disorder space, but I really wish that supervision was available to every single area of dietetics. It is so crazy to me how, and again, maybe this is a little political with the Academy, but it's like so crazy how it's just very, like it's recommend it's required if you're a therapist seeing clients to get supervision. And yet the Academy is like, Oh, you're going to see clients. You're going to counsel. You don't need to know anything about therapeutic modalities, <laughs> but yes, you do need to know about supervision and therapeutic modalities and how to work with people, you know, cause we're humans. Like our stuff shows up whether we like it or not. Yeah. And how do you, I mean, obviously it sounds like you offer supervision now in some aspects in your business. Yeah. But, we do supervision uh, groups. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, like how do people even find yeah. Someone to well, be their supervisor. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, reach out. We have, we have lists that other people have made too about amazing supervision resources. But I also think too, being in community with people is important because when you see other people doing the things that you want to do, and when you have really good insight as to what that means for you, like sometimes I call it my own, like quote unquote jealousy. It's not about the other person. It's about you. And like, what are the boundaries that you need to change? What are the boundaries that you need to set for yourself? Like if there's something out there that someone else has, I feel like supervision is really the place for you to explore that, to say like, why am I feeling about this way about whoever it may be? And it really has gotten me to think about like, what are the boundaries that I might need to set that are new because of the way that I feel right now? That's really good. Yeah. Juicy, juicy. Ex yes. <laughs> and especially with each child that has entered my family. <laughs> That's another thing too. Like with every kid I have had to change because my identity has had to shift. Yeah. I bet. 
I can relate to that as well. I only have one, but yeah, yeah that was a huge change. Yeah. I remember crying into my laptop like one month in, like, am I ever going to work again? Like, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Yes, I've been there. Okay. So you started out with supervision and then how did that lead you to exploring like actual? Yeah. I've business? done, yes, I've done a lot. I've done a lot of business groups. Um, My main group that I have been with has been Hello7. Rachel Rogers, do you know Rachel Rogers? Yes, yes. I yes. was in her incub. I was in her club, her incubator program. I was in her mastermind um, for a little bit, and I love their messaging. But I also just love the coaches that they've had in that program, and it has shown me like you can have a CEO that's really powerful and hire people as a team and help people get results because that's one thing like Rachel does not coach everybody individually in hello seven. She can't like there's thousands of people there and it really is figuring out how to create intellectual property for messaging for brand and you know, the, the company and then having people able to help people process that information. Mm -hmm. Cause that's where I feel like some courses are. And I know you can speak to this too, Erica, cause you have a course with a group, but it's like, information is information and not everybody takes advantage of it. I feel like people need a place to ask questions, to go for support, accountability, community. And that's what I really hope to create here at this company too. Nice. No. All right. So hello seven. Yeah. I definitely love Rachel Rogers. Rachel Rogers. Yes. I, I listen to her podcast too. Um, yes. Yeah. I love her podcast. I also really liked how I've noticed that over the few last few years, you have been speaking more about how you see similarities between diet culture and this hustle culture, which I yes. love. So I <laughs> want to dedicate some time to that. I think that is an area that makes so much sense. And once you see it, you can't unsee it, but it doesn't get talked about that much that I've seen at least. Can you maybe shine some light on what you mean by diet culture similarities between business culture, maybe with some concrete examples. Yes. Oh my gosh. You're so right. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's just like diet culture in dietetics and in nutrition and, you know, all the weight loss stuff out there. It's like, once you see it, you can't unsee it. So, I mean, honestly, diet culture exists because people don't feel good enough and the patriarchy holds power and really wants to get more powerful and more powerful and more powerful. And diet culture are lies that basically sell sell diets to people to say like, when you do this, X, Y, Z will get better. And that's the same exact thing with business. Like how many ads do you see where it's like, oh, you sell your course from the beach. Or my favorite one is like, I launched my course with no audience and made like a hundred thousand dollars. And I'm like, that's such BS. So it really is black and white thinking. It is so harmful. It takes advantage of people. It pries on people's vulnerabilities. And I just see it everywhere. And I think it's something pretty powerful about weight inclusive providers. Like we're not afraid to say the truth. Like we know that weight loss is not the answer for a lot of people because weight loss, you know, doesn't work for a lot of people. And everyone has autonomy to do what they want with their bodies. And like, that is body liberation in my opinion. So if you want to do a weight loss diet, totally fine. You can go and do a weight loss diet, but if you want another alternative over here, we have solutions for you that can really help you heal your relationship with food. And I go a step farther and say, like, feel fabulous about food because he, like intuitive eating health at every size, like it really can change your life so much. And there are research there's 
you know, support, there's inspiration from other people that literally it works. So that's why I hate diet culture everywhere, not just for our clients, but also in business too. Yeah. So like, what's an example of a business message that's like steeped in that same type of like, okay. I just saw this Facebook ad. So get your, get your social media plan for 30 days and plug in these templates and you're going to make thousands of dollars. Like, first of all, how many people say, I just need you to tell me what to eat. (laughs) Like how many people need, I just need a meal plan. And then like, they don't follow it because it's not foods they like. It's not up to their, not up to their standards. It's a different culture. They have allergies to certain foods. Like they're not connected to their body. So they're emotionally, you know, whatever. It's just like, it's, not going to work for them. So you buy this 30 day social media plan and you open it up and it's things that are not going to work for your business. So you don't do it. You throw it out and you did not make your money back. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And it's that promise of the quick fix. Like, Oh, I just, this must be the thing. And Mm -hmm. I just needed to buy this pack. (laughs) No, that must be what I've been missing this entire time. Yeah. Yeah. So what would, how would you change that to Oh yeah. I fill that need, but not market in that way. Oh yeah. I think you need information. Like, don't get me wrong. I, a 30 day Instagram template, like it's fine, but it's not going to solve all the problems of your business. And it's not going to make you X amount of money. And you don't guarantee that you're going to do it. And everything is going to change like a 30 day Instagram template. Like, Hey, this is some great captions that you can take and make your own, but let's process. Like, what do you think about Instagram? How is it going to serve your audience? Like, are your people there? Do you like being on Instagram? How does it make you feel like, what are the things about the thing that are going to show up and affect your business? And that's where people need to process information. Mm -hmm. It's not just receive information. It's process information. I'm sure. Can I use your example, Erica, if you don't mind, like how many people buy a course and they just don't know where to do the next step. They need to come to your Facebook group. They need to ask a question about SEO. They need to bounce ideas off of people. They need to hear inspiration and other people doing it. And then they'll actually go do the thing. Yeah. I actually changed a lot of my course when I relaunched it. Was it last year? I guess. I don't even know anymore. (laughs) What day is it? But yeah, I found that same thing where I really needed to add like front load a lot of that, like exactly what you're saying, like understand what you're doing before you start. (laughs) So I I was doing a lot of that, like outside of the course content in the Facebook group, but I needed to put it in the course. So it was like, before you start trying to do Mm -hmm. a whole like content calendar and keyword research plan, like go back, like, wait, why are you doing this? Like, Mm -hmm. where are you trying to go? Like, how does this feed into your, your monetization goals and really make sure you have clarity on that first. (laughs) Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's just like the connection between you know, intuitive eating, health at every size, like great relationship with food. Like there's connection there. And at the same time, like, why are you running your business? Why are you making the decisions that you're doing? What, what are some of the things there that you can connect with? So you make decisions with integrity and you make decisions according to your values too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was going to be one of my questions. Like in your business, have you changed any of your marketing Uh, like looking back in retrospect to be more in alignment with your beliefs and values these days. All you have to do is go back to Wayback Machine (laughs) and look at my old websites. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Just just like I went through a whole entire rebrand 
when I found and really embraced intuitive eating and a weight inclusive approach, I had to go back. Like I was mortified at some of the language that I used on blog posts in 2015. You know, I had to go back and I had to really say like, okay, I wouldn't say it like that anymore. Here's how I would say it. And that's okay. Like, I think it's perfectly fine to evolve. That process took me years And the same thing with business, it really has taken me years to embrace like how I teach as a business owner, according to those values. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. It's been a intentional process over here with the minority brand as well. Uh, obviously not perfect and always tweaking and learning. I think I saw, I don't even know when this was, when that like Lou, was it not Lou? Uh, what was the name of Lou LaRue or something? Oh, Lou LaRue. Documentary. Yeah. Yeah. I think I saw you post something where they were talking about if so-and-so can do it, like, so can you. And I'm like, oh Ugh. man, I totally said that. But they talk about how that's like really harmful yeah. uh, in that documentary. And I was like, oh, duh. Yeah. You- yeah. It's yeah. It's the business coach that's like, I made a million dollars. So you can make a million dollars too. It's like, I sold this much, this amount of leggings. You can do it too. Now, granted, I love inspiration. Like I think actually Rachel Rogers is a perfect example of this. Like you can inspire people and you can say like, I have built this business from scratch. You know, I did not have people that looked like me. And I want you to know that it's possible for you. Cause I kind of feel like that with non-diet people, like the, the norm is to sell weight loss and make a shit ton of money. And it's just not, you know, the way that we feel good about a lot of things, because it doesn't necessarily line up with our values. So I want to say like, I grew a really big business selling a non-diet approach. Like this message needs to get out to as many people that can possibly hear it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it comes back to giving people permission to Mm -hmm. do things in a way that feels good to them. Yeah. And I think part of this is confidence that comes from doing, (laughs) at least in my experience. But in the beginning, I I do feel like you feel like there's some magic formula that if you like veer off one step, like everything's going to fall apart. (laughs) And then then as you gain experience, you're like, oh, you know, like for my example, I could take away my payment plan that I marked up 20% because wait, that's kind of BS. Like I don't really want to do that. And, but when you're doing it, like that's all you see everywhere and you don't, sometimes you just don't pause to think like, why am I doing this? (laughs) You know? I remember when you said that on my podcast, I was like, that is so awesome. Like I (laughs) was like, that's so awesome. So I really commend you for doing that. It's such a great example. Well, I got that inspiration just from conversations that someone else started in my Facebook group. So I can't take credit. I just was listening, I guess, and paying attention. So uh, it's why your Facebook group is so powerful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I also really admire some of your um, messaging that I I noticed you're highlighting a lot more on your website now about the different phases of business. Like you already talked about starting uh, your business, growing and then scaling, but then there's sort of this fourth dimension that I don't really see that often, which is coasting. <laughs> and, yes. and I really resonate with that as you probably know right now. Uh, so yeah. what is the coasting phase of business? Yes. So it actually came to me from my group. You know, it was dietitian business school at the time. Now it's business school, but we were just talking on a call together about how sometimes it's really hard to just focus on growing, growing, growing. And I think I said something like, oh, well then you're just coasting. And it was so funny because everyone on the call was like, what, like, what, tell me more. Like, what does that mean? And I said, well, I don't know. What do you all think it means if we're coasting in business? 
And we've always been a company that is focused on self-care boundaries, like honoring us as humans, like showing up for our businesses, but not just as the business owner, but also as the human that's running the business. So coasting to me just means coasting in business, like not necessarily trying to grow, 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 you know, taking some time to honor not working nights and weekends. Cause there will be seasons for that. Like if you are a business owner, the only thing I can guarantee you is that you will work nights and weekends at some point, but it's like taking time to separate work and family, you know, not necessarily overworking yourself, figuring out what are the boundaries that you need. You know, I personally went through this after, well, I should say during two, like during my three pregnancies and postpartum where I was on maternity leave, like I'm not trying to actively grow a business if I'm out on maternity leave and you know, last year I had a ton of mental health stuff that was happening. And it was just like, I can't focus on grow, grow, grow. I'm going to focus on coast. I'm going to stop all of the ideas that I have in my head. I'm going to put them in a parking lot. Like now what you see is those ideas coming to fruition, but they've been in my head for six months to a year and I could not act on them right away. So it really is about taking the time to intentionally set the goals for your business. And that literally might mean making the same amount of money, maybe even making less money and having more time to yourself, more self-care, more boundaries. Yeah. That's been a hard one for me personally, (laughs) because I was prior to having kids, I was like really into the growing and Mm -hmm. the excitement that would come with like doing new things and, you know, expanding into new platforms or whatever it might be. But yeah, having a baby was like a huge wake up call. And I can say that probably say that I've been in the coasting phase for the last year and have finally come to embrace that. But it's so funny. Yeah. It's so funny how you say you like you shelved your ideas. I wish I had my notebook next to me. It's in the other room where I was sitting before this call, but it's literally like eight different places I could help people like in my customer's journey and different lead magnets and opt-ins and, and things that I could create. But That has been sitting there for at least six months, but it's ready for me when I'm ready. And I think there is something powerful in at least like getting it out of your brain. Like you can still have fun and like dream and strategize of what you're going to do when you have time, but it's also okay to just like, you know, I'm only running one course right now and I have only been running one course for a year and a half now and nothing fell apart. I'm actually making more money than I did. Yes, right? Yes. Oh my gosh. It's okay to rest when you need it. It really is. And I think it's, it's also really hard for me to do that. I don't, are you an Enneagram three? I'm an Enneagram three. You know what? I can never remember. So I wrote this down. I'm totally going to (laughs) look. Oh yeah, I am type three, the achiever. (laughs) Yes. The achiever. Enneagram three. I don't know if anyone else out there is an Enneagram three that really struggles with coasting, but there's something about Enneagram three. It's like my brain wants to have a hit of dopamine checking things off. And the biggest check marks that I can give myself are like business projects. And I'm like, doing this, doing this, doing this. But honestly, like 2020, 2021, I mean, I feel like everyone had major pivots because of COVID, but my family really went through some challenging times and it was, we need to, I need to put my Enneagram three energy into my family as well. You know, like life is not just about business. It's also about family. It's also about me. It's also about taking care of me. Like I have had 
a couple of times in my life where I'm like, who is Jennifer? <laughs> like not the business owner, not the mom, not the sister, not the wife, but like, who am I? And I feel like that has been so transformative in my business, but I didn't, you know, have that aha moment for business. I had it for myself. Mm-hmm. So prioritize my hobbies, my self-care it's freaking hard and you need babysitting, <laughs> but <laughs> it's so worth it to, to really get to know you again. Yeah. Life, man. <laughs> I know like, I, it feels like as I'm getting, getting older, it's like different layers, you know, there's different layers of yeah. things that keep getting stacked on, but. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And <laughs> go to therapy. I will say yeah. that <laughs> therapy helps so much yeah. oh, for everyone out there. Well, okay. So coasting phase, I feel like you should like trademark that or something. Cause I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should. <laughs> I didn't even really think it was that big of a deal. I was like, Oh, it's just, you're coasting. Everyone's yeah. like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes so much sense, but no one, no one really talks about no it. No one talks so. about it. So I guess I just wanted to wrap up. Can we get an overview? I guess is the right word of what your team looks like today. Like yes. what kind of help do you have? So uh, my team has had a lot of transitions. So we are actively in a time of transition where everyone's job descriptions are a little bit like muddled. I, in fact, I said to Danielle, you know, Danielle's my executive assistant. So I'll start there. I have a full-time executive assistant, Danielle Young. She's amazing. And her job description is literally like, help me with everything. (laughs) She's laughing because she's right here but help me with everything. So she's been in our marketing. She's been in our customer service. She's been in our Facebook group, you know, and honestly, like we've together, you know, I always say like the work that you do, you know, my boundary is that you're not going to work overtime, but the work that you do here is going to be a little bit chaotic and it's going to be a lot of fun. So she helps with everything. And that's been a lifesaver. I hired her back in May and our company has absolutely been, you know, so lucky to have Danielle. Um, I also have Annie, who's my virtual assistant. So Annie does a lot of the admin things. We actually call her our admin assistant. So she's the admin assistant for the company. She's the contractor. So she does a lot of projects for us and just kind of keeps all of the email marketing stuff together, organizes all of our Google Drive stuff, things like that. Annie also is in charge of our like course app. So it was Teachable, now it's Samcart. So we do need someone to literally upload all the stuff. So that is Annie. She also records our calls and does, you know, the system stuff. Um, And then we have Courtney. Courtney Vickery is our amazing designer who I tell you, Erica, you would laugh at some of the things that I have done to the website (laughs) because I don't know how to do anything. So Courtney designs all of our pages. And then we have Daniel who does our podcast editing and he's awesome. And then I have my two amazing dietitians. One is Alyssa. She's also our supervisor at Pursuing Private Practice. And she leads the supervision groups and helps out with our Facebook group. And she is an awesome clinician as well for the group practice. And then we have Laura, who is a clinician at Eat With Knowledge for the group practice. Wait, okay. I, that was just a little light bulb moment. I love that. you Because yeah. I know how earlier when you were talking about some of the group business coaching that you've been in, you're like, oh, light bulb moment, hire really great people to kind of serve the community that you're building. Cause obviously no one can build a huge business alone. <laughs> so yes. I oh, love no, 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 that no. you pulled yeah. someone from your practice into yes. the other arm of your business. Cause that makes so much sense. Cause the type of practice that you're running is in alignment with the type of practitioners you're serving. 
Oh yes. Coaching. Yes. So. Alyssa and I talk like, it's so funny. We experiment a couple things like over in the group practice and sometimes to supervision with Laura. Cause Alyssa supervises Laura too. Like we click a little experiment over here. And then if it works, we bring it to pursuing private practice. Mm-hmm. We're a little bit of a test run there, but yeah, Alyssa does both. Alyssa is she well Danielle too. And, and Annie too. I mean, Annie does mostly pursuing private practice stuff, but Danielle and Alyssa are both companies like group private practice and pursuing private practice because what right now I have one legal business I just you know legal side of things I have one legal business and two branches of it yeah that probably makes things a lot easier from yes taxes accounting (laughs) yes absolutely I have good accounting software because I have to make decisions based on numbers and revenue for both of the offers and like especially with pvp all the different offers that we have but it is organized (laughs) <laughs> do you have any tips on where to find amazing people to hire? What has worked best for you? Yes. Well, I'll tell you, it's so interesting. I have used different sites in the past and I have always, you know, used great job descriptions and I've hired people, but I will say, I really think that when you are able to craft a job description with the things that you need with the outcome, not necessarily the tasks but with the outcome of what that position will do, and we measure KPIs here, you will find people that are really good for the role because good people will take a job description. Like they're not here just to check off boxes. They're here to produce outcomes for the company. So I think interviewing, making sure that you have challenging conversations at the beginning, like outlining sticky situations. And trust me, I didn't know any of this even six months ago, (laughs) like I have learned, um, is really important. So again, it's like, you know, I need a meal plan and then someone doesn't follow it. It's like, I need a job description, but then someone doesn't, you know, act on the job description. You have to learn how to do this stuff Mm. as a leader. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to hear more about your insights. I'm sure you'll share as you flesh out more offerings in that arena. (laughs) Thank Uh, you, Erica. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously you just had a huge pivot, uh, where do you have any idea where you want to be in like five years with your business? (laughs) No, (laughs) well, actually, you know what I will say, I still want to be working in my zone of genius, like 80% of the time. I think I'm there now 80% of the time. Um, and I want to be here because there have been times in my business where I've only been in my zone of genius, maybe like 50% of the time, sometimes even like 30% of the time. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm doing all these things I don't want to do right now. I'm doing a lot of stuff I love doing. So that is where I want to be in five years. Keeps it, keeps it enjoyable and sustainable. <laughs> yes. You like it. Okay. And then just to wrap up for the people listening today who maybe are interested in starting their own private practice, since that is something you are highly skilled at helping people with, uh, what would be like three big pieces of advice that you would give someone interested in starting a practice today? Okay. Number one, you're not supposed to have it all figured out you know, that's the stage of business that you're in. You are definitely not supposed to have all the answers. Um, two, you have to go outside your comfort zone. You know, it will make you a better dietitian though, because you will understand your client's process. Like when you go outside of your comfort zone, like just recognize those are the things that our clients are doing in session with you as the counselor. Um, and I definitely think the community is number three, like you have to be surrounded by people that just get it with you and that will cheer you on, but then understand like, you know, having a huge win on Monday and having a huge crash on Tuesday. Cause that happens in business. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, honestly, thank you for spending an hour here with us today. I always love to hear your insights and so many 
good little aha moments <laughs> from our conversation. Uh, where <laughs> should people go if they want to follow along with the work that you're doing? Yes. Okay. So website pursuingprivatepractice.com is probably the way to find everything. I also have a podcast. So obviously if you're listening this far, you love podcasts. So pursuing private practice is the podcast. And then if you are starting specifically, we have a workshop. It's pursuingprivatepractice.com slash start your private practice. It's a workshop all about starting a business. So that is where you should go to sign up for that. And it's free. Great. And will that be available kind of like in perpetuity. <laughs> yes. That's yeah. our, that's our new opt-in. We're w- just like you, Erica. I've had a list of various opt-ins that I have wanted to get off the ground for probably a year now, but that's the only one that is out right now. And then hopefully another one will be out in December, but fingers crossed, we got to do Great. some other stuff first. <laughs> and then what social platform are you most active on? Instagram pursuing, pursuing dot private dot practice. You can nice. find me there too. And you also chime in periodically in my free Facebook group, the Unconventional RD Community. So if anyone yes. listening is not in there yet. <laughs> you have the best conversations. Oh, thanks. So good. So I appreciate yeah. you. I know you get tagged somewhat often in private practice related conversations. So yeah. I'm just throwing it out there that you are a source of knowledge in the group there as well. Yes, you can tag me. <laughs> I love it. Great. Well, thank you again. Thank you, Erica. 